Hey, Johan Yaks, welcome back to the Rambling Viking Podcast, coming at you live from the new Frankie Studio, a.k.a. my <laughs> big red Ford truck. And guess what happened? It decided to snow all night and morning, and so it's nice and frigid. I'm all bundled up. I brought gloves and a coat uh, because this is... This is one of the byproducts of, oh, I'm going to use my truck as the new studio. But uh, I think it went well last time. I actually do like this setup, and I think the there, there's no reverberation or anything because it's such a small space. So that's good. Let me know if you had any thoughts or concerns about it, you know, because you obviously could tell um, without me telling you. <laughs> Definitely not the worst place I've ever uh, done an episode from. and But it might be like one of the better places. So this just might become the way of the world. If you haven't seen the picture, go check it out on Instagram. It's a real simple setup. It uses giant center console. I sit in the back seat actually, over here back seat driving the podcast, and so it's a lot of fun. And I set the mic up on the cup holder and the computer there, and it's all good and well. I think the, really the biggest downside is I, I don't know if the Wi-Fi reaches out this far. So as far as like looking anything up on the computer, pulling it up could be kind of difficult. But that is why I have my phone. So. That's one one thing. But yeah, bringing your second dose of weird this week. If you enjoyed the first one, I do have a couple of housekeeping notes regarding the first one. I clearly, I was reminded um, by Connor that I clearly missed probably the best word miss, word hiccup, word vomit, not a word vomit, but like the word mishap moment. And I got to look up the term for this when you, when you <laughs> use the wrong word. But with uh with that I'm pretty sure I covered on the podcast but if I didn't you'll hear it now is uh this last christmas and it's with my sister again so being bad at words has really paid um dividend comedic dividends for her and for me I think so so you know if you're bad at something like that and comically so and you can learn to laugh at it you've got you've got some com- you've got material right there all right you've got things to work off of potentially merch you never know right and, ooh, that just gave me another merch idea. And uh, I'll, I'll say it in a minute after I finish the story. But anyways, I'm going to get to the story. Uh, so my sister, we're sitting there talking about something. And my mom's talking about, you know, we got the got towels with, with so-and-so's name on it. And my sister just goes, oh, sweet, mammogram towels. <laughs> and I'm, I'm putting lights on the tree. And I stop, turn around and look at her. My mom stops. And we bust out laughing. Yeah, that's right. You heard it. Mammogram, ta- mammogrammed towels. So, uh, my sister, and the best part about this is she's like, "What? That's what it is. Mammogram, right?" And so we continue to die laughing. And once we compose ourselves, you know, an hour later, or so we, and we can put together a sentence. We tell her, "No, it's not mammogrammed. It's monogrammed." And I mean, with towels. If you're a girl and it's a towel, I guess there's some weird connection about like, oh, it's a mammogram towel, but we're not going to get into that. Like it's, <laughs> that's just weird. Uh, so the merch idea that I just came up with then, uh, potentially, you know, cause I have a bunch of those is a shirt or something that just says like this shirt is mammogrammed or, uh, or it says mammogram shirt and um, that might be inappropriate. I don't know, but I think it's kind of funny. So yeah, we then informed her that it is monogrammed is the word she was looking for. And so she then proceeds to let us know that she has been saying mammogrammed for years 
at this point and has never been corrected, which <laughs> led for more laughter. And uh, once, and then my comment of, well, that, that means one of two things. You could have really, either your friends are just as dumb as you are, or <laughs> you have bad friends who, who laughed at you. Because I'll at least laugh in your face and let you know why I'm laughing at your face. But they, but they potentially were laughing behind your back or subtly and then and wouldn't tell you at all. I'm here. I'll at least correct you, right? I'll laugh in your face. So, yeah, but I like to go the route of just assuming they were all just as ignorant as she was. And there's there's a whole group of people out there. They're going around thinking monogrammed is mammogrammed. And um, I wonder what some of the girls will think once they get to the age where it's like, oh, get your first mammogram. And they're like, what? What? Why? 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 Why is it specific to women? And why do I have to do this regularly at a certain age? What's going on? And then have to go through the process of reconciling that it's wrong. So I think to me, that's pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, that was, that is clearly the best word mix up story. I think by far, like invisible is funny. And I took that down a rabbit hole and did a bit with it. And I thought it was good, but mammogram. And then to make it one better, then when the next time I saw one of my aunts, I was talking to her and she informed us. And so we tell the story, you know, everyone starts laughing. This is actually a cookie day. I think we got together. Well, then my aunt proceeds to tell us that she had a similar situation, but the opposite. <laughs> she, she was told by somebody, you know, and this is years ago, but you know, once she, I don't know what age it is for women. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a woman. I'm not worried about that. I know at some point though, you guys start having regular mammograms and, uh, she, she was around that time and her friend said, Hey, you need to start getting regular, you know, go get your mammogram. Well, she called then. Oh, she's like, okay, cool. Then she calls her doctor and I was like, yeah, I'd like to schedule, um, schedule a monogram appointment. <laughs> and the nurse was really confused. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what would go through my head. I think you, obviously you'd probably just, it's a mix up, but alternatively what would go through your head is, uh, this is a doctor's office. Um, we don't do monogram, but I actually know this great, this great print shop that can monogram stuff or this, this great grandma that can mono get, get stuff monogrammed, this seamstress. And, uh, if you're looking to get the monogram towels, because you know, that's the classic senior gift that I never got. And I'm not bitter about it. You know, just a little sad, really, if anything, I mean, I get it was the cliche gift is a cliche gift. And that was kind of the running joke that I was prepared for to get like three sets of monogram towels with my name on it. Now, at the end of the day, it's pretty dope. I got towels with my name on it. Leave no doubt, and I feel kind of cool. Well, people apparently heard me talking about this enough that they were like, we're not going to get you monogram towels then. And everybody decided to not get me monogram towels. So here we are. So yeah, sad day, but that's okay. Maybe someday I'll have some monogram towels or some mammogram towels. You never know. I don't think, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do with a mammogram towel. Maybe I'll get my wife a mammogram towel, whatever that even is. But yeah, that was the story. And then I got another great story from Connor. So um, I told you to send in your stories. If you haven't sent them in by now, you're too late. No, just kidding. I'll read them on uh, the next episode, which I'm hoping to do crank out three this week. We'll just see how it works out. But, uh, <laughs> oh man, there we go. There we go. So yeah that that was the best ever this is connor 
So to give you perspective, Connor and his wife have been together, I don't know, half a century or something. It feels that long. They're not that old. They're, they're my same age. But they got together. I think he was technically in middle school and she was maybe just into high school because she's older. Um, bit, of, bit of a cradle robber here, okay? Um, not like 7th grader to 12th grader. So I think it's a year. Maybe two, max, right? And that's only weird when you're in adolescence. Little side note here. You know, that's a good conversation people have. I was like, oh, is it kind of weird? They're like eight years apart. And I was like, I don't know, like 22 to 28, like in your 20s, maybe, maybe up until you're like 22 or 23. Starting in that age, going through like 30, there's really no difference. Maybe oh, I just finished college and got a job versus I've been in my first job for several years or I'm just switching out of my first job, you know? And so you may be slightly different, but really socially, developmentally, you're really in the same place. But to take that same gap and be like a 12-year-old and a 20-year-old or a 12-year-old and an 18-year-old, I think we all would put a big giant red X over that and say, absolutely not. So it's funny how that thing works. But anyways, um... He might be pissed at me. You might be pissed at me now for, for making people think that um, she's not a cradle robber. It's just a fun joke. But so he, this is they've been dating. I don't know a while, a few years at least, but they've been together. Sorry. They've been together basically since middle school. They're full fledged adults now, um, upper 20s. So we're that's where we're at with all of this. OK. And so it's been a while. And but this <laughs> I'll just read it. it says my worst autocorrect was in high school. When Ash and I have been dating for maybe a year. Okay, so dating a year, maybe a little less. So pretty fresh, but like you've been dating at that point in time. You've been dating a year in high school. That's a long time, but it's still new enough, right? He wanted to text, sorry, you can't come, cutie. <laughs> Autocorrect thought it best. <laughs> it was like, actually, what you meant was, sorry, you can't come fatty. Oh my gosh. That's up there with mammogram. Purely because it was, it was, it moved away from a cute pet name, a literal cute pet name, uh, a pet name for your, for your, you know, you're in high school for your girlfriend, <laughs> to a blatant insult, <laughs> that one that could wreck a relationship, okay? Um, so yeah, that, <laughs> and then he said, it was defiantly the worst moment ever for a 15 year old boy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You can't do much worse than that at 15. That, I mean, if that was me, I'd be like, okay, well, as soon as I saw that, of course you're trying to, no, 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 I'm so sorry, it autocorrected, I meant, what I meant was, um, and this was, I mean, autocorrect wasn't even that prevalent back then, I feel like, 15, we'll, we'll say, I don't know, this is around 2000 and, we'll say late two, late 2000s, okay, and, so, it couldn't, it, like, it was still fresh, I mean, we barely, maybe had the iPhone 4, doubtful, but maybe, I mean, iPhones were fresh, so this was probably on just a regular old flip phone or something, or a Razor or Sidekick or something cool like that. But BlackBerry, if you're really balling, oh man, those things are dope. But yeah, that's it does not get much worse than that. That is rough and brutal, and I feel for you. But on the upside, their relationship obviously survived that. And I, I mean, if your relationship can survive that, it's good as gold. You're, you're, you're set. Get married, right? You might as well have slapped a ring on her right after getting over that. I'm not sure um, what the aftermath was, if she was understanding, or <laughs> if she was just maybe confused and thinking, oh, what do you really think about me? Because 
I mean, you know how how it can be, right? Oh my gosh, that I feel for you. But you you you've gotten past it. Your relationship, I think that solidified it. If it wasn't already solidified then. But that at least, I mean, that galvanized it. If you can survive that kind of autocorrect mishap in high in when your relationship is in high school, woo, you can survive just about uh everything. So, yeah. That was uh and the good news was too this testament to her, his wife, um, he went and retold her that story and she had no recollection until he told her that story again. So positive repressed memories are a thing because that's clearly what this is. She took that. When I say positive, I mean, not the memory is positive, but I mean, this repressed memory, this is, this was a good move for this memory to be repressed. And so by it being repressed, then you don't have the memory of the bad stuff and you only remember the good and it only helps your relationship in the long run. So uh, hats off to her. I mean, this is a different breed right there to be able to do that. I wish I could do that. Seem to only repress the good memories and keep the bad memories. Sometimes it's real, really not fun. So uh, on that note, merch store is maybe closer than we expected. Quick announcement. And we may be, maybe throwing some stuff up there, I'm trying to figure out some, I said I was going to try and figure out some print on demand stuff and I, that's what I've been working on. And so I'm thinking maybe earliest into this week, but maybe next week or beginning of next month, we might see some test runs. I don't know. I haven't figured it all out, but I'm kind of excited. So if you want to chime in with what merch you want to see first and not just necessarily, I usually, I realize people usually go for straight for t-shirts, right? And that's a simple one, but I know a lot of people have a lot of t-shirts also. It's, you know, that's 10, 20 bucks, 30 bucks sometimes for some shops, which is insane. And first and foremost, I just want to say, I'm not really looking to make money off this. I just like to push merch out there. I mean, at most I'll make like a buck or something like that, but you'll really be getting it at cost. I haven't figured out all the details. That's my hope, at least. We'll just see how it pans out because, you know, low budget, low budget merch store over here is trying to, to trying to do everything for the free. So and sometimes you have less options and it's not as customizable and prices are a little bit more locked in. But we'll see. Uh, but not but I'm not really focusing necessarily on T-shirts. I've already talked about I really like stickers. So that's me personally. I'll probably just order some for myself, test them out, see how it goes. Those are real cheap. few bucks. No big deal. Easy to make. Doesn't take up a lot of space. So uh, let me know, though, what kind of merch, so items, and, I, and I'll see what, I'm pretty sure basically everything under the sun. Uh, don't give me anything crazy like seat covers or couches because, come on now. And, uh, but what you would like to see, and then also from the list of some of the merch ideas, which I'll go over uh, real quick, actually, while we're here, so you can maybe have those fresh on your mind. And keep in mind, some of these go way back. Some of these are you know, maybe down in the future, but, um, I really just put down anything, everything cause kind of shotgun approach it here, but I'll list these off. Um, I'll talk about maybe some of my favorite ones that I've already made designs for. Cause I know I've talked about that before. I've made some designs and whatnot. So might do some Instagram polls on that. Be on the lookout though, but I really want your input on like what you want, what you would buy, um, what you would be looking to get and, you know, to represent the Hanya Accord. So obviously that's the top one Hanya Accord. I don't even know if it's on the list, but it's a given, right? There's Hanyak, just straight up. Um, there's I'm with Hanyak. There's Can I Get a Hanyak. I mean, every variation. So we'll just, the Hanyak and all of its derivatives. 
but obviously Hanyak Horde, I think, would be a staple one and just put that on a sticker, maybe on a shirt or something like or a hat even, and boom, simple enough. People, what's a Hanyak Horde? Be like, oh, it's this great podcast, right? It's the best podcast, actually. So newest ideas, you know, this shirt is mammogram, um, <laughs> or this item is mammogrammed. Chicks dig scars, wives do not. That one's going way back. Um, shout out to Connor. There's obviously, I haven't used this in a while, in a couple episodes, but pretty darn freaking good. Just the ultimate superlative that's grammatically incorrect. You know, it's just like keep it PDFG like we try and do on this. And obviously, you know, we get serious and talk about cultural stuff, which we're going to do later in this episode. But, 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 big but. Uh, you know, that's something we, I made some, I think I made some cool, like kind of retro bright color design, you know, keep it PDFG or just straight up PDFG and have, have the full words running down or have it run along the side. I don't know. I've had several ideas, but that, that's one, uh, ride the lightning. Obviously that's another thing that I do every single episode here. As we all know, I'm like, yeah, I got four, four notes or bullet points. I'm going to, I want to cover these topics or these things. And on a good day, I can get through two or three, if I'm really on top of my game, I can get through all four, but most likely I'm doing one, maybe even none. If I, if I, in my opening rant, get on some tangents and that's just the product of riding the lightning. Got a lot of, got a couple of cool designs on that though. Uh, there's why MCA that one. I love, it's kind of a specific inside joke context for that. Uh, it was actually during an episode and, Connor and I recorded around basketball. Was it March Madness last year? I was and I was pulling up. I had a bunch of tabs open uh, on ESPN, and they kept doing this. I don't mind autoplay videos, but they kept playing with audio on. And so I'm sitting there and recording. It happens like twice, but boom, boom. And I have like 12 tabs open, so I don't know which tab it is. So I'm sitting there screaming through my tabs, trying to get it out or trying to figure out which one is. making the noise, interrupting the the recording. And then one of these times I just go, why? And then then all of a sudden there's a slight pause and I hear this very quiet MCA and lost it that right then and there. So that's what we say. So many times I say why, that's why I say MCA. And that's a fun one. You spell out why, and then you put like dot, dot, dot MCA. Oh man, this is a classic straws. Now I'm more of an alehorn guy. That's, that's the note, but that wouldn't be the merch. The merch would be alehorn guy, alehorn girl, um, Alehorn Hanyak, um, you know, and because that's as a Hanyak, as a Viking, that's what I drink. I prefer Alehorns, not straws. And you make the connection though. You get it. I don't have a horse in that fight. That was a fun one. These are mixed up phrases. Never forget Tampa Bay. I mean, how can we forget Tampa Bay? Am I right? Uh, just bug a zillion. I don't know about that one. That was one that came. <laughs> oh, I would love for this one. Uh, another shout out to Connor. You're a bold-faced liar, McCullough. <laughs> or you're a bold-faced liar, insert name here. That would be fun, a customizable one. I'm sure you can already get those. Uh, hashtag Hanyak. Oh, this is another. This is a good one. Miswording. Uh, back to the mother load. <laughs> that was a fun one. We were driving and she, what she meant to say was back to the mother road, but I like back to the mother load. We obviously have botchered, which is what I do so many of the times with so many things and how we get so many of these phrases is because it's you butcher and botch it at the same time. You botch your things. Okay. Uh, same body, different parts, no recollection of what that is, but here we go. Don't poop upstream. Be a good neighbor. (laughs) I, I, I can tell you, I was probably talking about like primitive villages where they, 
where, you know, it's, ah, you go drink from the stream. It's like, yeah, but don't poop upstream because you want to be a good neighbor to those around you who are drinking and washing from the stream. And then, ooh, one of the most recent ones, anti-wastist. That one I'm actually really excited about. I think it'd be pretty funny. So those are all of my merch ideas. Obviously, there's just generic, like, Rambling Viking, uh, Hanyak Horde. I think those would be the top ones, obviously, to get the brand out there, specifically before we dive into all these inside jokes and specific phrases. But I think some of these other ones could be funny. So let me know uh, what you think about that and what your input is. I'm going to I'm gonna just go with my gut on this one, ride the lightning and figure out what I can figure out about that stuff. But all in all... Uh, I think it's a, it'll be, it's an exciting time to be alive. So ready your wallets because merch store, here we come. And my, like I said, I'm not really trying to make money off this. It's not the goal. It's, I want to have merch. Merch is cool, right? And I know everyone freaking has merch. And so you may be tired of it. So that's why I want to be able to provide merch that maybe isn't typical t-shirts, hats type situation, mugs, you know, maybe some more offbeat stuff that you would be willing to get like a sticker is easy. You can stick it on your ice chest, your computer, you stick it on your dog, your forehead. I mean, just whatever, right? Your bumper. If you want to go bumper sticker, if you, that's your style, right? Your suitcase. Uh, I mean, so many different things up in the attic. I don't know where you, what you do with your stickers, but you know, everyone has their own sticker game. So that's what I'm looking to do, but that's enough of that. Now time to totally switch gears. And we're going to talk about some more serious topics and kind of going to be a culture what's happening hot topics type episode that we got going here and because i want to talk about some of that stuff too so if you didn't see it uh oh actually we're going to talk about this one uh i really am enjoying colorado i will say i do the only thing that i really miss about being back in oklahoma is the freedom and by that, I mean we got here and everywhere requires masks and some places require va- proof of vaccination, which I'm vehemently against and think is totally, um, no, it's it's not okay. <laughs> and, um, which is, I'm, I'm, I'm going into this bar, this restaurant, this retail store. You don't need to know my medical history here, all right? And especially with Omicron, we know it spreads like wildfire. Nobody's stopping it. Vaccinated, not vaccinated, masks, not masks. Doesn't matter. Omicron's here. So it's here shock and baffle. (laughs) But that being said, it's interesting. It was kind of like coming here was kind of like stepping in a time machine a little bit. And coming from Oklahoma, stepping like wasn't going back six months, two months, even a year. It was going back like almost two years, like a year and a half, really. Because, uh, yeah, if you know anything about, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, Florida, we've been basically open since like, I don't know, June, July of 2020, more or less. I mean, there were still people masking in restaurants, and stuff, but like that stuff all expired and it was like, all right, let's get back to normal life. Cause, um, this is just going to be a thing. And I'm not trying to get super COVID political here either. Just a, just an interesting story, um, that to try and express my annoyance with some of the nonsense in theater that is, like, oh, we need you to wear your mask, particularly in restaurants. One of my favorite jokes is that, like, okay, restaurants, we know if you're if you're up here around the five to six feet standing above the ground, the COVID lives there. But as soon as you sit, get below that threshold and sit at your table, no more COVID. Bada bing, bada boom. Problem solved, right? Uh, obviously not true. But anyways, we go to this place. So uh, 
full disclosure, I am, this is my stance on it. As, as, as we go out and about everywhere required masks, I was like, Oh, I got, I got to even find my mask. I haven't even touched one in a year. I don't know. And I did find it and I was like, oh, I'll put it in my pocket. But then I quickly discovered that if I, A, there are some people who are defiant, that are defiantly, you know, going shopping maskless, proper use of defiantly. And there were, and I was like, all right, let's, let's just test this out. Look, if I go in and people in the store are like, hey, can you wear a mask? I will oblige. Yeah, that's fine. Sometimes I forget my mask, obviously. And so I'm like, hey, did you have them? But I'm only going to wear it if they ask me to. So let's see what happens. So Walmart, nothing. Different Walmart, nothing. Uh, and now I'm realizing that, like, I think all but one place I've gone into mask-free, free, <laughs> just free in general, right? And haven't asked me to. So if you don't ask me to, I'm not going to wear it. Um, if anyone's listening, uh, any of the businesses are listening that I've been frequently frequenting here, you now know how to crack the code to get me to put my mask on. But yeah, and now it's right. So it's like, oh, I still really haven't had to wear it. So it really is not that bad. But here's what gets me. So my wife and I wanted to go check out this like brewery restaurant the other night. And it'll remain nameless because it's pointless. But of course, I mean, literally every place has a sign, you know, mask required to enter. I don't even think half the people at my gym do it. And that's honestly, I'm like, yeah, because we're all getting jacksonated here. We understand. And nobody says anything. And it's fine. And I was like, thank goodness, because I wasn't sure. But we go to this restaurant, and obviously don't have mine with me. And I kind of look for them at the front, you know, wait to see if anyone says, nobody says anything. And it was kind of full, though. And so, like, we kind of proceed to walk into the middle because I thought there was this upper area, but it was closed off. And so, like, all right, we're looking for a spot. So we're standing in the middle of this. And it's relatively small. We're standing in the middle of this place. And then we're, like, kind of looking around. Then someone comes up to us. Turns out this guy comes. He's behind the bar. He comes out from behind the bar out here. He's like, hey, do you guys have a mask? I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, oh, we have some at the front, right? And so we walk back to the front. After walking in the middle of this restaurant and standing and looking around and talking, put it on and then right as we get back to the front someone gets up at one of the tables near the front we go and we sit down and immediately take them off do and it's that silliness that drives me insane is i'm already in here i've already i'm already been walking around and my only wish is that we would have found a table right as he was saying that and i would have said no but now i'm sitting down so does it matter and they would have said no. And that actually funny story, my wife, better story, actually, she went to a coffee shop and she goes in and um, right as she's getting to a table to sit down, some, one of the workers is like, hey, do you have a mask you can put on? She goes, you have to, she goes, do I have to wear it while I'm sitting? She's like, and she pauses and you can tell she's kind of like, no, you know, maybe a little annoyed, but she goes, no. And so my wife then sits because <laughs> she was literally like pulling the chair out to sit down, sits. And it's like, okay. Case in, case in point. So, it, I mean, it's all theater. Like, at least that. In that aspect, it is totally theater. I don't think there's any effectiveness going on here as we're moving about because we all know it's recirculated air. And also, 
there's absolutely nothing stopping Omicron, not even that. So that's enough COVID politics, but that was my silly masking story where I was like, we're already in here. I've already been walking around. Let it, yeah, let me walk back to the front now without my mask to put my mask back on to then walk back out and sit down and immediately take it off. I wore it for all of 10 seconds and I left it on the table there. I was like, you can deal with this. This is yours. I'm not taking this with me. And when we got up and left, I didn't wear it because if someone asked me to wear it, I'd say, I'm leaving. Bye. And it, it just, but hey, that's that's how it goes sometimes, and um, yeah, I'm, it just at this point I'm like it, the other funny thing too that made me realize is that like ah this place has been like social distancing and, and masking really really hard for all this time up until very recently, and there is no significant difference between say a Texas, a Florida, Oklahoma to here in terms of oh you don't see drastic difference in numbers or anything like that, and so I mean that's obviously not any sort of, that's just an observation. That's not a study or anything like that. But looking at that and you're saying, if you, if you expected them to really work, wouldn't you expect a marked difference between places that haven't been masking for, I don't know, over a year to a place that is still very much masking? And that's the question that I pose because, and and actually what you see is New York, who's consistently been getting hit the worst is one of the most massive, I mean, vaccine passports, same with California, been locked down perpetually since the beginning of the pandemic and they're not they're not and they've actually been having more problems because people are away from each other and then when they come out it spreads because it's kind of endemic and gonna spread so that's all i'm gonna say about that that was my that was my that was my kooky masking story so uh other than that though i mean colorado's really been great that's just a personal minor annoyance and it's just like whatever i can move on with it and i can oblige i don't want to be a total hanyak but in a lot of ways I'm, i sometimes i'm just i'm just over it right i've been over it and then come back to a place where it's like where it's required like this i remember one place I was like i need to go to the bathroom and on the front door said proof of vaccination and pull out your app and all this i was like well guess i can't pee in there what maybe i'll just pee outside right i don't know i don't know that's enough about that right but continuing with controversial topics and talking about the news, if you did not see it last week, and if you're like me, you may not have seen it even when you tried to see it, Matt Walsh was on Dr. Phil, and it was kind of epic, talking about uh, transgenderism and gender ideology. So they had two people on, uh, basically a bearded lady and a, a, I think who is biologically a girl. So you had a girl to man trans man technically even though they're non-binary um but we had we need we need a way to understand them and then her partner who was i think a biologically a woman but technically a man ethan and something else i don't remember their names but they're both like non-binary conforming and um then you had a professor and a couple other people. So Dr. Phil, if you've never seen it, I've never watched Dr. Phil until recently. I saw he did an episode on CRT. It was okay. And he did this one. And this episode was decent. I think in general, though, it's not the best platform and place to have these in-depth conversations. It's a good introduction to kind of both sides of, of whatever thing you're talking about. But you know that they have to cut it for time. And it's like these little tiny five-minute segments. And I don't know. I was surprised at how quickly it goes by and was over. But anyways, Matt Walsh was on there. And I say Matt Walsh was on there. I mean, there's lots of people on there talking about this and then the gender ideology. And he absolutely demolished. And, and I mean, he kind of blew everything up in its face. And really, the best thing that he pointed out was, the, was fundamentally talking about how... Um, 
showing the circular logic that, that is kind of a snake eating its own tail in a lot of this gender ideology. So his big objection, and I've also got an article here, I'll link to that, and then there's like a 15-minute clip of kind of the highlights on YouTube from the show, and I'll link to that, because uh, as it turns out, I went to I had it recorded and everything. Go to watch it, and what? And in some regions, here's what we got. We got that interrupted by a um, dementia-ridden man who wanted onto the podium and gave proceeded to ramble about nonsense for an hour. Oh, Sorry, it was it was it was Biden's speech and it got interrupted and I was like, how? And then turns out like if you miss when Dr. Phil airs, you miss it. You can go back and see some of the highlights, but you can't get the full episode in its full context. And so I had to sit there and clip it all together. So unfortunately, if you're in the same boat like me, you can find most of things. And then of course there's Twitter and stuff and they posted clips on it. But yeah, he really his biggest point and his best point was he was talking about there were two. There were two moments that really stuck out to me. Is he? He, he talks about. He goes. He goes. The problem is, is this absolutely destroys w- woman. He goes. He goes. I can. And he posed a question to the non-binary, two non-binary people, and was like, "Can you tell me what is a woman? Simple, plain and simple. That's his thing." He says, "Can you define what a woman is?" And they both really didn't answer and kind of said, no, I can't a woman, you know what a woman womanhood is different to, to each person, to each their own. And so it express it, it can be expressed in many different ways. And which if you're not really thinking and you hear someone say that, or maybe in a different context where they're giving speech and they talk about the nuance in womanhood and manhood and how it can be expressed in different ways. I think there there's truth to that in terms of masculinity and femininity. It's a, it's a spectrum, right? And and he says, okay, well then if you, but yet you sit here and you say, we're, you know, I'm, I'm a trans woman. Well, and he points out that they say trans women are women is it, it, one of the big tagline, you know, trans men are men. And it's like, well, actually they're not because you call them trans men. But his point being is, okay, if, if, if trans women are women, what is a woman? Oh, you can't give me a definition of a woman. So now the women, woman has no specific definition and there is no distinction there. So it is at this point, nothing more than a meaningless label. And so by you saying you're a woman, it actually means that you aren't anything. And there is no significant transition happening there. It's like, it's like, Oh, you know, I I own a truck and there's a car next to me. And, um, and this is, this is my, this is my car. It's actually not a truck. Well, what is a car? Well, a car is whatever it, you know, whatever you want it to be, basically, is really the answer that they gave. And he points out that that circular logic of eating, they kind of want to have their cake and eat it too, right? You want to say trans women are women. There is no differentiation that, you know, even though biologically they are men, that, oh no, they're actually women and should be treated as such when in actuality they aren't. But then at the same time, they want to say that there is no specific definition or distinction of what a woman is. And so it, they just completely don't even blur the lines. They nuke the lines and then try and pretend that, and but then try and use terminology that require a, a defined line to make sense of anything. And so it's just, it's nonsense, really. And, yeah, and because, and of course, mm-hmm. and then the other, the other part was the professor 
from Kent State who, who talked about it, who also couldn't find what a woman was. She And he explains all this on a show, so this might be redundant for you, and I'm sorry. But I think it's important, and it's a very important topic that is that I'm seeing more and more is, is founded in a lot of ways in narcissism and delusion and wanting to, um, you to affirm said narcissism delusion and, and almost kind of rooted in this obsession with our generation that we were told we were special and we, we seek to be, we're basically a generation of middle children. In a lot of ways we want to be seen and heard and we want to be different and stand out because we need to get attention because we get lost as being in the middle children. You know, you're not the oldest, you're not the youngest kind of have distinct roles we, we don't know where we fit and so that's i think in in large part on a societal level the kind of ethic that permeated and, and is partially driving this is that need that one right you know i have my own pronouns or i'm not a part of a man or a woman i'm gender non-binary and it's like non-binary no no, no you can't if, if we go off of i mean the most fundamental fact is your biology and that is and that that is ingrained throughout your entire being and another great point that he made on that note is that he goes, if if a thousand years from now, they or a hundred years even, they dig up your body and your just bone, they can't tell what they what you thought in your head or what your self perception was, but they can look at your bones and figure out if you were a man or a woman. It is literally ingrained in every fiber of your being. Um, is another great point that he made. He talked about, he's like, he's like your self perception. He goes, I should not be required necessarily to, um, you, you trying to force your self perception, me to accept your self perception when your self perception could be potentially total nonsense. And, um, you know, if you think you're a walrus or something like that. And so uh, the, the terms are important and we need some sort of standard of truth. And that actually, um, so then the professor, she's kind of talking about something. I don't remember exactly. And, she she said, you know, she kind of, she makes a side remark, says, part of me wants to ask why you care so much, because it's really not that big of a deal. And this is the other tactic that happens when, you know, you're actually trying to have a discussion and get to the truth is that gets brought up a lot of times in the opposition, to, you know, to the transphobic side, quote unquote, is that, oh, why do you care so much? It's not a big deal. Just use the pronouns that they prefer. It's a common courtesy, you know, and so then you, basically it's a argument from, from, from virtue and courtesy and niceness. And especially in the Christian world, you know, we think we want to be loving, we want to be caring. And it's like, you have to understand that loving and, and, and a lot of times loving is, is, is expressing hard truth and, 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 and being grounded in reality is like, I can tell you, you know, loving and my kid tells me he can fly. Really what it being portrayed as love specifically is that if, okay, my t- t- kid tells me he can fly, I tell him he can't jump off the roof, and you, someone looks at that and says, you're not being loving because you're not letting him live out his true self and say, okay, fine, let my kid go jump off the roof, breaks both legs, and guess what? Now I'm a negligible, horrible parent. And so part of love is letting him know that you cannot fly and you should not do this. You will hurt yourself, and I will not let you do this. And ultimately, that is better for you in the long run. But she says, you know, why do you care so much? Why? It's not that big of a deal. It's like, well, if, if that was really the case, we wouldn't be having this giant discussion, and there wouldn't be this giant um, kind of you know, it wouldn't be a giant part of the current culture war that we're seeing right now. And we wouldn't be worried about, um, you know, kids being literally physically mutilated permanently because they say, say, say they have some certain feelings, um, about who, who they are. And his, his response once again was spot on. I mean, he literally, I don't think he could have handled this any better. 
And he said it in such plain, concise terms, too, that really illuminated kind of the general discussion at large. And it's why you should really go watch it for yourself and see these highlights, because you can see, for me at least, he, he's able to define things. He's able to talk and, and have a set standard, whereas the, the other side of this is really just, it's all purely subjective up to your personal feelings. And there's really, there's no, there's no set standard or anything. And I think standards and basic truths are important. And that basically what he says, he says, I love to answer that question. I care about the truth, Walsh said. So basic truth matters. I want to live in a society where people care about the truth and we're grounded in truth. I care about children and these insane ideas about gender are being foisted on kids. And that bothers me quite a bit. I care about the women who are having their opportunities stolen from them. I care quite a bit. Yeah. And that's the, and that's the perfect point It's saying, well, I care because these things are being eroded or taken away, or these children are being taken. The most vulnerable population children are being taken advantage of, um, mutilated in the worst case scenarios and, and being just really confused. You're going to raise a generation that was lost and confused even more so than us millennials, of course. And and so that was that was his other big point. It's like, and that that is why we should care about this. And so it, it's a hard line to toe, though, because when you see someone who, you know, who who, who believes this and their self perception is this way and has been affirmed by society at large, and you think, you know, oh, just just call them by, you know, call him by use 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 she her pronouns and use their new female name, and and it's just like it's a it's a small step that then leads to I think bigger things that you would be implored to do that I think it's it's like, well, there's there's discussion to be had about about basic truth here, right? And for me in a lot of ways when I look at this issue, I I say, okay, the from my perspective, it, we we have a basically a, a mass delusion movement here and a people suffering from gender dysphoria or thinking that they have gender dysphoria. And really what it instead of saying, you know, instead of looking at those people and trying to you know, compassionately, lovingly, but firmly and, and truthfully and honestly approaching them and, and bringing up these top and saying like, look, this is, this is the way you, I know you feel this way and you're confused. And instead of addressing what, what I would say is, is a serious mental illness, we simply say, oh no, you're absolutely right. Cause you know, you best and you are the author of your life and truth is relative. And that's ultimately what that statement is. And so it's very, very hard though, because, um, in a lot of ways by saying that or saying like, no, I will not affirm your pronouns. I'm going to use the proper pronouns for you because language doesn't care about your feelings. You know, facts don't care about your feelings. I'm, what am I, a daily wire grifter now? Yes. (laughs) And this is my audition daily wire. If you listen to this, uh, give me my own show. Yeah. For doing, I don't know. Absolutely nothing. All right, cool. Sounds great. But yeah, so it was a great episode, though, and I think it was a great, like I said, Dr. Phil a lot of times is, is a, I think, can be a good jumping off point for what, um, to, to, for seeing the two basic sides of a, uh, of a topic or a discussion. And a lot of ways, he also did one on critical race theory. I think it was, that was, it was decent. It wasn't near as good as this one, but um, this one was, 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 was I think was really really good in illustrating kind of ju- the general principles and points behind it, and is is illuminating. And really, so from, I mean, from my perspective as someone who thinks that this gender ideology is destroying the fabric of our society in a lot of ways, and unfortunately sending a lot of people into some serious mental illness um, in, in a spiral is, and and really, really what we're seeing is a real threat to our children, 
I don't have kids yet to the children. Um, I think this is important, you know, this is an important conversation, a really good one and something topic that we need to address. So on that note, um, you know, speaking of that sort of thing, it's funny. I, 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 I am now old enough that I can distinctly remember five, six, seven, eight years ago when the transgender movement, I, I still remember my very first conversation I had about the term like pansexual gender being a spectrum. I was very confused. Someone's basically explaining, Oh no, gender, you know, realize gender is more of a spectrum and, and it's this. And so, and like when I heard pansexual, which is, I like what I like. And I'm like, okay, that's a, well, then everyone's pansexual technically, because that's just a vague catch all term that really means nothing. Kind of like if you say womanhood is what it is, is whatever, um, is, is different for each person, but trans women are women. Those are two conflicting statements. So it was, and I was like, what the heck? And, you know, I've come since then to realize that no, gender is not a spectrum. Masculine, what we did is we shifted from, used to be masculine and feminine, and now it's, we just replaced that term. And you could fall, men and women can fall, I mean, generally, majority of men fall on the masculine side of that spectrum. And on the other end, women fall mostly in feminine. But it is being a, a basically a spectrum, you could have more feminine men and more masculine women and everything in between now. Um, and that's how it is. Now it's flip out those words, masculine and feminine, male and female. And we just say, or not male and female, it's men and women because male and female are the biological terms. And we just say, Oh, it's gender. You're a different gender. Instead of saying, you know, maybe you're just a more effeminate guy, which there's nothing wrong with that. You're saying, no, you're actually, you're actually a woman. That's what it is. And you're just in the wrong body. And, um, so it gets in from the Christian ethic that, I mean, it absolutely contradicts everything that we know about being created, um, specifically in a certain way. And so being born into the wrong body, it's a whole deep rabbit hole that I can't even fully flesh out and articulate, but I know that I, I believe is fundamentally against the basic foundational beliefs that we find in Christianity specifically. But I remember some of the arguments, and I wasn't sure. I was kind of indifferent towards these, but you hear some people say, well, what we're going to see is we're going to see sexual assault of of women and girls from people who identify men who, predators who want to identify as a woman. And then we're going to see guys who are okay as a a guy athlete um, transitioning so they can be the best. And I was a little bit hesitant of that, but I think more and more we're seeing that. And I really, the breakout case for that is Leah Thomas, the swimmer who swam, here's the crazy thing about this whole story for me. I didn't realize this at first. He swam for three years on University of Penn's men's swimming swim team. And he was middle of the pack guy, right? Then transitioned, and now this year is allowed to swim on women's team. Now, I, I thought and figured that they're... I think for the Olympics or certain, certain leagues have demanded that you have to have... You know, you have to obviously testosterone levels, things like that. Hormone levels have to be regulated and whatnot. And, but to be able to literally like finish, I don't know what swim, when swim season is. Are we, are we in the end of it now? I don't know. I think we'll say it's a fall sport, right? So it ends maybe in winter right around now, but then to go the next fall and be all of a sudden a woman. And I mean, that's within a year and you can't like, you can't honestly believe that someone is able to transition. I mean, I don't believe this anyways, but like transition that quickly and be able to compete, you know, the following September, October, November, whenever it starts and, and then actually it'd be fair at all. Even if you, even if you bought into, bought into, I don't know, trans women can compete in women's sports, trans men can compete in men's sports. And primarily this is a one way street because 
We know that there are biological advantages to being a man um, in certain phys- physical activities that just come naturally in terms of um, muscle size. And so here's some facts for you. You can look into for yourself. So in general, men, um, now this is in general. I know there's always exceptions. Do not bring those up to me. I get annoyed by people saying, what about this person? It's like, that's one person. I'm talking about the general population is so in general, we know that, uh, women have 70% the lower body strength of, of, of your average man. And then now here's the kicker. 40% of the average upper body strength of a man. So 70% meaning lower body, really kind of pretty close upper body, no contest, 40%. And I mean, typically we know that generally, you know, upper body stuff is more of a struggle for women. They're just not naturally, um, in general, don't naturally have as much upper body strength as most guys. And that's just nature, literally how biology sees itself out. And then you have things like you know, women generally have wider hips or center of gravity at their hips. Our guys is at their navel and that affects your gait and things like that and can play a big part when it comes to sports that involve running and movement and whatnot. And um, so angles of legs and things. And that's why like women's soccer players are the most notorious um, athletes for ACL tears is because of um, the demands of the game combined with the biology, general biological makeup of women. So this is, this is something that's being seen, but here I think we see the prime example of someone like, I'm sorry, but at this point too much has come out for me to think, oh yeah, actually transitioned for a woman, you know, to a woman because he really realized he was a woman. I was like, I think this is purely for competitive advantage because he's destroying everything, breaking records. And you've heard anonymous people come out. So this is from the daily wire. Um, so one, two more events. So they've, a lot of a lot of his teammates have come out. The women have come out anonymously. Here's the sad thing: is they're coming out anonymously because they don't want to ruin their swimming careers, and that's a huge step for an 18, 19, 20 year old um, girl who got a scholarship and is swimming, is a collegiate athlete. And because you know that the mob is going to come after them. Now, on on the other hand, I think it would be important and be beneficial to if that team could band together and they could all stand up. Because what are they going to do? Cut everyone on the team except Leah? Maybe I don't know at this point, but. Um, she wanted to remain anonymous saying women are now third class citizens. So Leah Thomas won the hundred, 200 yard freestyle races in the meet against Harvard. Um, this anonymous teammate went on to say Leah was not even close to being competitive as a man in the 50 and the hundred, but just because Leah is biologically a man, Leah is just naturally better than many females in the 50 and the hundred or anything that Leah wasn't good at as a man. So here's one interesting thing. And I get there are next level swimmers and generation Michael Phelps and, um, Katie Ledecky's type who just crush Leah though competes in the sprints, the 50, the hundred, the 200, and also does the endurance, the 1650. And usually that's two different types of swimmers. Um, I think they're more so than running. There can be crossover. I don't know. I'm not in the swimming world at all. So anyone, if you, if you are, you can please educate me. So the teammate goes on though. The top people at NCA who are the board of directors, they are not protecting women's rights. Imagine if there was this kind of inequality in men's sports or someone found out about doing it, doping in a men's sport. It wouldn't be, it would, it would be fixed in, geez, in a blink of an eye. Everyone would be all over it, but because it's women, they don't care. People have come up to me and said, this is so wrong. 
I'm typically liberal, but this is past that. This is so wrong. This doesn't make any sense. I'm trying to do everything I can without harming my future from stopping this from happening. I can't just sit back and let something like this happen. I'm not just going to sit back and say my rights are being a takeaway. Too bad. It's embarrassing that people aren't speaking out more. I 100% totally agree with that sentiment. Now, the one, the one criticism that I would say is while you're coming out anonymously and basically we know that a lot of the girls on the team, maybe most of the team or all the team are against this, they are not coming out publicly and showing their faces and doing so. And I think that's a crucial step a lot of times is being brave enough to do it and willing to sacrifice everything. Like if this, if this is truly, which I do think it is in a lot of ways, an erosion, a serious erosion of women's rights, particularly in sports, collegiate sports, and it's that big of a deal and this could have an effect on generations and future events and future girls, someone's got to be the first. And I think, you know, she says, no one's stepping out and saying anything. Well, you are anonymously, but I think a lot of ways you all need to come out and really just speak out on this um, and and forego the anonymity, make it known and start making your voices heard. Uh, and she said, I can't see how anyone could feel good about this. So here's here's a note from the examiner for the 20 for this year. The U the U Penn women's swimming team the top time for the fifty three is twenty two seven point seven eight so twenty almost twenty three seconds accomplished by Leah Thomas comparatively the men's top time in the same event during this season is twenty point three two seconds two almost two and a half seconds faster Thomas's record time for women would have been seventeen best time for men this year furthermore Thomas's performance was the third fastest time for the U Penn women's team in the last thirteen seasons. So, still, in, in terms of history, not even being the best woman ever, but still, and, and that's really the biggest point here, is that you, is that that simple transition, you go from an okay dude to destroying one one race by 40 seconds, it was a whole thing, and then, now here's an interesting wrinkle, I think we, you might have heard about that recently, Leah Thomas, a man who's, you know, supposedly a woman, and swimming against women now, lost to a this muddies the water so hard. Lost to a trans man who's still competing as a woman. That's right. So a, a girl who, and I, I think that she even posted a picture, and she had like the scars of like the breast, the, the breasts removed. She, um, so she beat Leah and kind of thought, oh, that's kind of weird. Well, in, in some ways I thought, well, if you are transitioning to be a man, it's weird that you're competing as a woman still. That's a weird double standard. I don't understand from the NCAA how you can still compete. Maybe. And, and I think it's because the quiet part is because we know that if she really went and competed against men, she would stand no chance. It would be like a high school freshman against high school seniors, or it'd be like a sixth grader against seniors, you know, would, would get totally demolished. Even if she's the fastest woman, maybe middle of the pack, Maybe, but really wouldn't wouldn't stand a chance. And so that's an interesting wrinkle in and of itself. But then the fact that the the trans man, so the woman to man, beat the the man to woman, the trans woman. Now, and I was like, oh, huh. And, and it kind of puzzled me because I was like, well, I mean, Leah was demolishing everybody. So to then to lose. And in some ways, I think I saw that as some people thought that was a vindication. They're like, yeah, see, it's whatever. Men to women, women to women. It's still competitive, right? Um, well, here we go. On January 8th, Thomas swam a race in which Thomas's time was suspiciously slower than previous times, permitting Isaac Hennig, a Yale swimmer who is biologically female but identifies as a male, to win. That prompted a young woman who's on Penn swim team with Thomas to, sur- to surmise in an interview with Outkick last week, where, uh, where she 
alleges that Thomas and Hinnick colluded before the race in order for Hinnick to win and thus disprove the assumption that Thomas, as a biological male, could not be beaten by a biological female competitor. The swimmer, who preferred to remain anonymous, um, said, told Outkick, looking at Leah's time, I don't think she was trying. I know they're friends and I know that they were talking before the meet. I think she let her win to prove that point. Oh, see, a female to male beat me. Asked if she thought Thomas and Hennig had concluded, she replied, I do. I can't say for sure, but I wouldn't be shocked if I found that was 100% true. So, and then Outkick notes, in the 100 freestyle race, Hennig finished with a time of 49.57. Thomas touched the wall in 52.48. So, um, three seconds, or 84, sorry. During a November tri-meet with Princeton and Cornell, Thomas swam the 100 free in 49.42. Now... That's not to discount that there could be parity in time. Some meets are better than others, but in the in the hundred free, I don't know three. I feel like three seconds is a. I mean, it's like in the hundred meters, three seconds, or more so in the hundred. So we'll say like in two hundred, three seconds. That's a huge jump, right? So there may be something to this. Now this is all alleged, so we can't necessarily prove this, but based on what I've seen and heard so far about this whole cookie situation, I wouldn't be surprised if this was it at all. Uh, Thomas, her teammate also noted that in January 8th, the 200 freestyle race, Thomas only won by two seconds. She stated, I was on deck and said to a friend, she's literally not trying. You could just tell. It was blatantly obvious. I was watching the 200 free and she was literally keeping pace with the other girls. So this is an important, another important delineation that she goes in to talk about. She said, um, she was, these are definitely talented swimmers, but they're not the caliber of being at the top in the country or anything like that referencing that Leah is the top in the country. She goes, you can tell when someone is dying and they're swimming slow. You can also tell when someone is not trying. And I could see in the 200 freestyle that Leah was not trying. And you might say, oh, well, that's just kind of hearsay. And that's just her opinion. And I think, well, maybe, I mean, if you're around a sport enough and, and you, and you can see, you can see when someone is, is absolutely. And you know, you, you have that eye, you can tell when someone is going all out and they're gassed versus when someone who's maybe just kind of cruising and you can see that. And, and I, who am I? I mean, I'm going to just have to take her out her word, but at this point, seeing all of this together, I see it's not out of the question. Right. Uh, and then they reference the, the article finishes by referencing how she won one race by 40 seconds and it was, and nobody cheered. And so, yeah, so we can see the, the quick evolution here that people were gawking at that, oh no, that's not going to happen. And at this point, you know, there's been other things where Leah Thomas has supposedly been, um, been reported by anonymously by other teammates for saying that for being cocky, for saying that I'm, I'm Jackie Robinson of swimming, which is a wild statement, but, um, sounds like acting like an arrogant dude is <laughs> what I heard someone said. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of just like a dude. Right. Oh man. But yeah, you can see where this is why Matt Walsh cares. This is why I care. This is why this matters. And, oh, it's you. I don't think it's easy to downplay this. This isn't a big deal. I mean, it's funny when you hear someone who's a professor who dedicates like their PhD, their entire life, their work to studying gender, but then at the same time wants to say, why do you care? It's not a big deal. Well, if it's not a big deal, why do you have your PhD in, you know, gender studies and things like that? Sounds to me like that's kind of a big deal. Am I right? Am I right? Exactly. So, oh my gosh. But 
that's, I think this is important topics that I want to bring up. And I know it's a little less funny tones. I try and fit in jokes, but I think sometimes I get on, I get on a rant mode where I'm like all serious and it's hard to make jokes, but that's where we're at. One more thing. And this one's a little bit more lighthearted because it's hilarious and it's from, it's, it's, it happened from an Oklahoman. So we'll make this one a little quicker though. We'll close it out with a little bit more lighthearted one, but at the same time covering a serious topic. And, uh, this is also from the daily wire, but I, I saw this on not to be originally. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So, well, it, it read like Oklahoma legislator, a state legislator, not the federal one, you know, self owns. And, and I was like, Oh boy, an Oklahoman embarrass themselves. You made not to be anytime I see like someone in low, you know, in Oklahoma in the national news, I get a little nervous <laughs> or we're just on a bigger platform. I'm like, Oh boy. Cause usually it's not good things <laughs> a lot of times. And so that can be, that can be tough. But this one is, uh, the title is not the own you think it is. Democrat introduces bill to stick it to pro-lifers. It backfires bigly and he apologizes. So if you haven't heard of this, it is hilarious, hilarious from the standpoint of this is a democratic lawmaker. So that means he's either a rep for a district in Oklahoma City or Tulsa. Spoiler, it's, it's Oklahoma City because, as my sister and I were joking, Oklahoma is, you have two little blue dots in a sea of red. So basically the cities are, are blue, and even then it's more kind of purple. And then everywhere else, which most of Oklahoma is rural, is is deep red. So that's just how it goes. But uh, Democratic, this guy's a rep, Forrest Bennett. On Friday, this was last Friday, he came out with a tweet um, or he told the public, and this was primarily on Twitter, about a bill he filed placing more responsibility on fathers-to-be, apparently believing the legislation would hurt the pro-life movement. So basically, the point he was trying to make, and I'll see if I can find the tweet. Yeah, here we go. Um, we'll read the tweet. So he goes, This week I filed bill whatever, which codifies that a father's financial responsibility to his baby and their mom begins at conception. If Oklahoma is going to restrict a woman's right to choose, we sure better make sure the man involved can't just walk away from his responsibility. Amen, Forrest. I am for that legislation because I think part of the epidemic of that or the endemic that is abortion, that is the biggest genocide of our time, um, 63 million lives over the last 40, 50 years now since 1973. So, um, <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest problems and why we, and one of the, cause I see a lot of ways abortion as a symptom of a, of greater cultural problems. Personally, I'm not going to dive into all that right now, but, um, what we saw, what he saw on in response was all the pro-life people on the internet going, yeah, cheering it on be like, I don't think this is what you think you're doing, but it, it, this, this, I, I, I can't even call this a backfire. Cause it's just one of those where he's like trying to make a point and not realizing that, the point you're making, the other side actually loves. And so, you know, he's a democratic lawmaker. So he's, he's obviously pro-choice because he talked about, you know, restricted women's right to choose and Oklahoma, obviously being a pro-life state. And if Roe v. Wade's overturned, I'm sure abortion will be banned and there's already been restrictions put on it. And so basically from, from his side of the aisle is saying, okay, if you guys are going to restrict abortion, then we need to find better laws, you know, and, and, and I'm sure there are things to come up with, but the, the one he, comes up with is ultimately that well, fathers need to be more responsible and i think we all go absolutely <laughs> because it's funny because i'm sure it's one of those that sounded so good in your head and you even put it on paper and you were you were in your office you're like oh yeah this can do and boom write it down then you throw it on twitter and twitter reminds you or shows you that hey man this this isn't what you think you thought it was <laughs> to quote chance the rapper 
And yeah, that was incredible. So I'm going to say out from the outset though, like whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, I I think we, this is, this is what I would call bipartisan here, right? Whether you're pro-abortion or pro-life or anti-abortion, whatever you want to say. Um, I don't like choice. I don't like youth, the euphemism of you, you choose, what are you choosing? Are you choosing to end a life? So I like, I say pro-abortion personally, but <laughs> is I think that 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 is a piece of legislation that both sides can can get behind. And the sad part about this story is he ultimately pulled it and he did this whole like twenty tweet apology that was just him saying the same I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry over and over again. And it was it was honestly he could have done it in three tweets, but he did it in like sixteen and it was way too many. But and you can go look at it for yourself. Links always in the description. So he Um But seriously so you get a girl pregnant, guess what? You are financially responsible for helping her through the pregnancy for the cost of having the baby. And then, I mean, because we all know, we all understand child support, right? You have a baby out of wedlock with someone, you guys are separated, there's child support. But this just basically extends that to the, from the moment of conception. And I, I don't, for me looking at it, I'm obviously pro-life, but if you're on the other side of things, you know, if you believe in abortion and uh, I don't see why you wouldn't, want this. And so that's really the sad part about this is that because it, he was trying to do something that kind of fit his narrative and it's like, okay, Oklahoma, well, if you're going to ban abortion, then I'm going to, we're going to throw in some laws to kind of hedge our bets against that on, from the pro-choice side. And sadly, what he, what he found was a piece of legislation. I think everyone can agree upon that, but the, but the problem is he pulled it because it actually stuck it to his, his side of the narrative, his narrative of, you know, that abortion is, is a, is a right and reproductive health care, even though healthcare doesn't take lives, saves lives. Um, and so since for that, he had to come it up and this is the sad part where narrative, um, can take place over benefit or like just a, a general good. And that's the sad thing is that like, you're sitting there looking at it like, Oh no, actually we can all do this. And then he's like, Oh crap. All the pro-lifers like this. Nope. Got to pull it. And it's just like, Oh man, I, that actually could have been a pretty good win. Like a pretty good bipartisan win. I think everyone would have been behind it, but unfortunately, because then it <laughs> codifies that it's, it actually hurts your, I get it. Cause it hurts your argument of saying, you know, Oh, it's not a baby. Well, it's like, well, if it's not a baby, then why are you making the father responsible for, from, from conception? If it can be aborted still. And it totally, I mean, it totally blows up the pro abortion side of things even more. That's already, I think, um, wildly unstable, kind of like a lot of this gender ideology. And I'm hoping for Roe v. Wade to overturned, be overturned, but it was, I mean, looking through some of these tweets, um, so one guy, I don't know who this is, but Chad Prather said, bruh, not a single pro-life person is opposed to this. Welcome to our side. Uh, then Katie Faust said, formerly known as marriage, <laughs> quoting his tweet, um, plenty more people say I endorse this. Someone says these are acceptable terms. <laughs> oh man. Um, he goes, and someone said, I know this man is a gotcha, but I don't think you will get too many pro-life people objecting to this. So this brings up two points is that like, sometimes I, I think we all have those moments where we think something funny in our head and we say it out loud and it turns out to not funny at all. The delivery was wrong or it just wasn't funny in general. Like the content wasn't good. And I mean, that happens to me all the time, particularly probably on this podcast. But, uh, the other thing that this points out is I think a, a very, a misunderstanding of the other side of, 
of the rebuttal to the side that you hold of the, the opposing side to whatever side you're on. And, you know, generally I think the more you can know about the opposing side or view that you hold, the better you can build a defense or, and, and understand your side and, and, and root your side or, or, you know, if you're on the wrong side of things and then, or, or, or be, or eventually be convinced that like, Oh, I was actually maybe wrong about some things in this side and understand it better. So it, you know, can make things more amicable. It can strengthen your argument, obviously. So then when you have those discussions, you're prepared because you know what they think, you know what their points are going to be. This guy clearly has not done any of that. He's never talked to a pro-life person in his life. Well, he lives in Oklahoma. He has, but he hasn't talked to them about abortion because he clearly, I think, doesn't have... Personally, I don't think he has a great grasp on the pro-life side and what their points are and what they believe and, and what they want to be, um, you know, how they want things to be, uh, in you know, done policies to be formed. And then this one, though, points points out a point I made earlier brings up a point I made earlier. So your bill admits that life does begin at conception, that men equal biological men, and it acknowledges that having a baby is shared responsibility between the man and the woman who's pregnant. Great work. We love it. This isn't the one you think it is. Oh, man, he just got raked over the coals. And there's some great memes. And then, of course, this giant 16-tweet thread. But uh, hats off to you, Forrest. Honestly, uh, I'm a little sad about that legislation. But I think now, from the other side, I I would call out to the the Republican side of Oklahoma and say, take that bill, copy-paste it, unless there's some weird, you know, but but at at the heart of it, do that. Say, men, you have responsibility from conception. Now... The awkward thing is the Democrats like Forrest may now come and fight that bill and not want to vote for it. But I see I see a net benefit because what we have is we have an an epidemic of fatherlessness and that part and parcel drives the culture of abortion. Because what you have is you have mothers put in impossible situations or seemingly impossible situations. They're by themselves. They can't support it. Um, you know, they think, what am I going to do? And having the man have to, having a man in there, having a second person in there to help you and support you, guess what? Takes a lot of that weight and that burden. It's not all on the woman. And I, and I, and that's someone who vehemently believes that, yeah, it is, (laughs) that's how it should be, you know? And, and honestly, my, my call more and more has become for, we need to, we need to build a culture. And this is partially what I want to build a culture though of men Right now, we just have a grown grown boys who run away from responsibility. I want to build a culture of men who will stand up and, and take responsibility for things that they do. And impregnating a woman, whether on purpose or accident, is you know could happen happens. And taking responsibility, taking care of that child, and deciding to be be in that child's life. Because at the end of the day, when I, when I look at it, and I just say, man, that's that's honestly just really like how could you not want to be your child in a lot of ways. And I understand that, of course, that's just my personal sentiment, but I'm sure we'll only grow as I eventually have children. But, and, and, and I think this in part could fix that problem because I mean, now by law, it's codified in a law that you have to take care of your child, which I don't see that as being a bad law that you have to, you have to take care of your child and you do hold some responsibility because half of that child's DNA is yours. That child could not have been formed without you. She's not the Virgin Mary. There's only one the Virgin Mary. Whether you believe it or not, we all know how it takes a sperm and an egg. You can't just spontaneously get pregnant. It takes An egg cannot survive on its own. A sperm cannot survive on its own long term and cannot form into a fully functional human. It is only, they, are, they are 
game eight serve basically half cells have to come together to create one strand of dna and essentially a new life and that is that is that is the recipe for life and so while nature and ultimately design dictates that the woman is the one who cultivates that child in her womb and brings that child into the world through birth you know acts as that initial uh, gosh I'm, I'm thinking of things but I think it's going to sound crude right but I don't want you to think I'm dehumanizing women but you know initially grows that child in her womb uh, the man in, in, in a weird you know and, and so there is a distinct difference, you know, they talk about a mother's love and something like that, a face only a mother could love is obviously one of the best jokes, is that though, it is still, it is still just as much the man's child and the man technically put in half the ingredients. Now you might say, oh, there's argument about work, you know, she did all the work, her body had to go through all the stress and I was like, that's, but that's, and the hard thing about that discussion is that that's just the way nature is though, like, that's just the way it is, so. Anyways, I'm I'm sad ultimately that the, I think it's hilarious that this happened, but I am sad that that legislation won't go into place. But I think that is a piece of legislation that those of us in the pro life camp should actually consider enacting along with is extending that out because then what that does is that also codifies the position that life begins at conception, and this is just as much your baby as it is her baby, and um, and, and it requires men to take responsibility, which is what we need. We need more men to take responsibility and to stand up and to take care of their families and the families that they create and are a part of and not um, just want to go off and do their own thing, right? Because less consequences for men, and so, and, and we need to fix that somehow. And uh, part of that is just, you know, espousing a culture where you encourage people to be responsible and you, you keep each other accountable. And you, and when you have children, you, you raise them so that they will take responsibility. And I will say personally for me, now, I wasn't, I wasn't going and sleeping around doing all this stuff. It wasn't crazy like that. But I, for whatever reason, this actually kind of kept me from doing that. Because, and I think this is another thing, in building or instilling the seriousness of being sexually active on people, both men and women, that the ultimate, like there is a risk and it may be super low because of contraception, but there is still, it's nothing's foolproof. There's still a risk that a child could come from this. And so my thought being what I always told myself was if I ever found myself in a position where I got a girl pregnant, I would, and I chose my words very carefully. I would have to marry that woman and raise that child for not because even, and so even if it was not someone that I thought I wanted to marry, I now, you know, would be having a child with them and not for my sake, for not necessarily even for her sake, but for the child's sake, because we know that a, a a two parent household ultimately is, is a precursor for success later in life and is, is, is obligatory to having, um, you know, a good, healthy childhood. There's so much that goes into that, but that's a starting point Two parents, right? Particularly mother and a father. You need male and female, um, father and mother figures in your life. I'm not going to get into discussion of same sex stuff. Um, but, and, and that's what I always told myself and it wasn't, Oh, I should, or I think I will. It was, I will have to. Meaning there is no choice involved in this. If I have, if I have 
initiated circumstances where I am now bringing a child of my own into this world. I, that is something that I am responsible for. That is something that I will take responsibility or have to take responsibility for and will raise and will do my best to make best of a potentially bad situation. Now, in part, that kept me from doing, from, from getting into a situation where that could happen because basically how in a lot of ways, when I would look at, you know, look at women or look at, you know, opportunity, I would say, is this, you know, is that someone I could see myself marrying? Like I I would almost just play that in my head. Like, okay, well, worst case scenario, you know, pregnant pregnancy comes out of this. Like, is that someone I could see myself marrying? And not necessarily just from the standpoint of like, if I get you pregnant, but in general, I tried to, but it also, it just kept that at top of mind more that like more careful about, you know, who I dated and who I got involved with. And then, you know, kept me from, from, from going too far with people and potentially making, you know, life altering, um, Uh, decisions there having life life altering circumstances. Now I'm not saying that you're totally, I also don't want to paint it and say it would be the end of the world. It's like, no, that was just a standard and a rule that I set for myself. And that's something that I wish we had in our culture more at large. But anyways, this guy was hilarious. I appreciate his cell phone, his cell phone, not a cell phone, but I know it was a doozy of an episode. There was a lot to unpack there. It was real funny at first and then kind of got a little more serious, but it's kind of funny at the end. I don't know. I, if you go look at the not the bee story about it, it's pretty hilarious. And just look through the tweets. The link is, is in the description to the article where they show some of the most prom, prominent tweets. But you sh- go look at the thread yourself. It is, wow, it's wild. It is it's self-owned to the max. Um, don't read the apology. I didn't even read all the apology. I read like two of them. And then I scrolled down, skimmed a couple more. And I was like, these are all saying the same thing. And um, yeah, so it's... But it was pretty funny, but I think it also elicits an important conversation about maybe that should be considered and that we should change that regardless of if you're on the pro-abortion or pro-life side, like shift it, right? Because make fathers responsible because personally, I think that's something we need to figure out as a way to build in things that will um, require men to take responsibility for, for their actions, um, in these sort of situations and quit leaving women out to dry and, and women and the children that are their, their sons and daughters that are the men's sons and daughters out to dry. So that's my personal opinion, but, uh, thought, thought it was pretty entertaining nonetheless. So that, that'll do it though. We'll wrap it up for this episode. Remember if you still have any funny word mishap stories, send those in, um, and if you have any suggestions for merch ideas, like either types of merch, like you want to see them on bottles, you want to see them on pens, calculators, whatever, couches, no. Remember, don't talk about, we're not getting that big yet. But be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for suggestions or some of the catchphrases or different things that you hear, um, which you think would be good merch. I'm, I'm all ears. I'm going to make some stuff, try some stuff out, and hopefully get that going. And you guys can get some merch. And we can start spreading the Hanyak horde, but uh, try and grow this thing out. And not really trying to do it to make money, but more just to make fun merch and kind of build culture and stuff. You know how that you know how that goes. But that does it for this dose of weird. It's a little bit more serious, but I kind of like, like I said, I'm trying to figure out the new format exactly. I'm I do like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, I think at least twice a week though, doing this and maybe make Monday, Friday fun, just pure doses of weird, light heart. And then Wednesday, kind of mix in culture, news, topics like that. But you know how it goes. We ride the lightning and as stuff happens, we'll, we'll talk about it and we'll have episodes. So just strap in, hold on to your butts, and we'll, we'll figure it all out. Okay? So 
That's enough for this Norwegian goodbye, though. I want to thank you so much for being a part of the Hanyak Horde. If you're new here, welcome to the Hanyak Horde. You'll be able to get Hanyak Horde merch soon. Oh, I'm getting pumped about this. Now i got to follow through since I've said it out loud. Thanks for that, everybody. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and so be on the lookout for that. Uh, follow us on Instagram, it's the Rambling Viking Podcast. Same on Facebook. And then, of course, email shows, Viking at gmail.com. You can send all your complaints uh, there and uh comments and ideas you can also text me personally text the show and uh lastly ooh, before i forget looking to do cool inspiring basically inspiring stories stories that maybe don't fit the the common narrative of of life so maybe stories that buck the norm and it doesn't have to be anything crazy it could just be like hey you know i out of this i was once a crackhead now i'm successfully in remission or you know just something like that or it could be like hey i did this one screw up but now i'm doing this and this is how i get through life i'm looking to kind of build some inspiring stories where where people because a lot of times i think loneliness is one one of the biggest things when we find ourselves in a moment of crisis naturally we feel like we're alone and we we forget that we aren't the only ones who have or going through a crisis but have even gone through this specific crisis and there are and there are success stories and there you know people get through these crises and so i want to try and provide some of that i've hopefully got one in the works but if you have any cool stories or know anybody that you know has a great story and you think would be good for that and fit that cinema my way or you know, or if it's you go ahead and send yourself my way and we'll get that arranged and see if we can get those episodes going so looking to build a lot here in 2022 lots going on um recommendations i'll save those for friday because i got a lot of new stuff going on oh book club how not to read the bible reading that hopefully should be done by the end of the month it's a quick turnaround but it's a short book and then i'll do my book review on that so unless you know if you want to read it if you want to go ahead and get it and read it i'm almost 100 pages in it's and it's great it's great a great overview but yeah you heard how not to read the bible posted about that on instagram as well lots and lots of stuff going on with the podcast really 2022 trying to really jump have that be my jump off point um you know we're pushing 300 episodes and i'm ready to build this ready to do something big so let's make it happen let's sponsor the bowl game the hanyak bowl and get the whole hanyak horde out there have a great time it's obviously years and tens of millions of dollars down the road but uh, i want to make it happen so all right, that is it for this episode. Thank you once again for being part of the Hanya Accord. Remember to share this podcast if you like it uh, and to go ahead and leave a review if you can. That would be great. That would be really great. We'll see you next time, though, right here on the Ramley Viking Podcast. This is your head, Hanyak, signing off.